Okay, welcome to uh, another edition of the Parker Weekly Politics Podcast. I am your host, Sammy Kagan. Today is Wednesday, March 14th, school walkout day. The entire Francis Parker uh, upper school suspended classes for the day. And uh, we had a 17 minutes of silence ceremony in honor of the Parkland victims. We had a rally, and currently there are students in breakout sessions right now educating themselves on the issues of gun violence. So this is kind of a special day, and in commemoration of that special day, uh, we're having a podcast. So I have with me sophomore Natalie Daskal. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Uh, Senior and news editor at the Parker Weekly, Maya Songvi. Hi, Maya. Hey, Sammy. And junior Charlie Moe. Hello, Charlie. Hello. Fantastic. So, uh, I want to start off by giving Natalie just a quick second to talk about uh, another march that's going to be happening in Chicago on the same issue. Natalie, take it away. Yes. So, uh, I am part of a group of about 10 students organizing the March for Our Lives Chicago, which is part of a national movement of marches that will be occurring on uh, March 24th. Uh, So, it will be in Union Park uh, in the Loop. We're expecting 30,000 people or more. Uh, We'd love for you to come out if you're passionate about the issue. Bring everyone you know. We also need safety volunteers. So if you're interested in volunteering, it'll just be about one training session. And then you just have to wear a special shirt uh, and keep the crowd peaceful. So if you're interested in supporting, please come to the march and uh, think about being a safety volunteer. Yes, it should be noted that Maya is currently showing everybody (laughs) in the podcast studio, which is a study room in the library, her special shirt that she wore for the day that said, protect kids, not guns. Um, It is a special shirt. Yeah, that's fantastic. So we are, that that was crass. We are going to start with a quick thing, which is, what did you think of the day? Just your general, getting your general thoughts. We're right in the midst of it right now, and I want to hear, you know, what you have while it's still raw. So I, okay, I'd say I'm really glad that Parker did something. Um, I I think gun control obviously is a really important topic, especially as it relates to school shootings. Um, It affects a lot of us, Um, maybe not directly, but it certainly affects students. Um, And so I'm glad in that way. I think there are some sort of weird things. Um, The fact that it was called the walkout and yet the entire administration was behind it slash there, that felt a little bit odd, I guess, um, but I, I think maybe in, in, because of the fact that we weren't protesting the school, it sort of made sense, um, and I think the 17 minutes of silence went really well, I suppose I'm a little biased, um, but I think the rally might have been a little more, I don't know, people like talking and no one really cared and they were all saying the same thing, but um, it was fine, it was good, it was good, I enjoyed the day. Okay, the downside of having uh, the podcast in a study room in the library is that people hop in. So special guests on the podcast, Abby Smith and Zuri Mary Wakefield. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> what do you need? Mr. Brandon, I cannot tell you where he is. Uh, I would imagine he is either in his office or perhaps running to the auditorium. Do you have... Colleen's almost here. Colleen Daly, uh, the head, the executive director of the Illinois Coalition Against Handgun Violence, is the closing speaker for the day. Thank you, Abby and Zuri. That was fine. That's the danger of live podcasting. So um, I want to open it up more broadly. What? This is no, it's not live. Uh, But we're not going to edit it out. 
so I want to talk more broadly. There was a there was a, there was a there was a big debate today about students who don't want to be part of the march. About you know the and there was a sizable coalition of individuals who didn't want to be there. So. Yeah. So, 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 what are what are your thoughts on that, and what is the value of say just educating individuals as opposed to actually partaking in activism? Anybody? Natalie, what do you think? All right. Well, uh, I don't see why anyone anyone would have an issue with walking outside for seventeen minutes and being silent to remember and to commemorate the lives of both the victims lost in the Parkland shooting and, as Maya read, the names of students in Chicago who were shot uh, last year. However, I do actually understand the uh, the fact that people did not want to march. Everyone has their own politi political opinion, and I completely respect everyone's opinion. So I don't have an issue with people not marching. I have an issue with people not walking outside for 17 minutes. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. I think uh, there's, I think to the degree that the march um, is a piece of memoria. Um, and what do you mean by that for, for the uninclined? Sure. Um, I, I mean, uh, to the extent that it's honoring, you know, those who died. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's you know, and we did we did a, the school did a similar thing, a few years ago after the Sandy Hook shooting. That uh, uh, it was during class in that instance, um, and certainly that's apolitical, uncontroversial, etc. Um, there's no reason for that to be a non-participatory is uh, uh, issue, uh, as far as I'm concerned. It's interesting though. I was talking to Grace Bono earlier today, um, editor in chief of the Weekly, the Parker Weekly, of the Parker Weekly, Monsanto, <laughs> um, and she was talking about how in the mission statement of of Parker, which I actually don't know by you know memory, which I think is fine, um, but it, you know it kind of supports this sort of action. You know we're, we're supposed to be a embryonic democracy, and I think this is very much something an embryonic democracy would take part in, um, and so I think. I, if that's not something you stand for, I don't, I don't know that Parker is necessarily the place for you. Interesting. And I, which is not to say I, I realize that sounds very like yeah. anti-republican, mm -hmm. which, and maybe this school is a little bit anti-republican, and maybe I, that's I okay. I don't think that's a that's a secret. That's not a disputable exactly. act. But exactly. I think that's not, an issue. So I, I think lack of political diversity, can be an issue. Just in that. You know, you're not exposed to as many viewpoints, and then it sort of makes you complacent in your thoughts, and and you're never really challenged. I think that's an issue. I don't think having a political persuasion is is really an issue. Okay. As a first school, it should be noted that both the 17 minutes of silence and the subsequent rally were optional for any right, students. Right. Yes. Yes. Who they did not sure. want to participate. Um. So so more broadly. Did this day have any political value? Like, let's look at... So students were, were marching, they were educating themselves. Does it have any value for for others, for people who are in office? Charlie? Uh, yeah, I, I would argue uh, uh, minimal. Okay. Um, for, for a few reasons. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the rhetoric surrounding this issue in particular um, is is one of a reduction of complexity in which we claim to have all the answers and we claim that the only thing standing in our way um, is a corrupt political system uh, w w when in fact 
uh, a lot of the moral posturing and sort of the virtue signaling of some of the student leaders surrounding this issue in particular, um, I think are sort of intellectually disingenuous um, and ultimately damaging for America, for the, for discourse surrounding this issue, um, for ultimately a solution, um, and just for the political system, period. Are you, um, sorry. Sure. Are you, are you trying to imply that students leading this movement don't care? No, that's not, no. I, I think they're being, I think it's a little disingenuous, and a lot of this, the strategies surrounding the issue um, are, are deceptive, and so if, if she, I, may I elaborate? Yeah, of yeah, course, uh, go ahead. I, I think, yeah, um, and this is kind of a wider issue uh, with the coverage surrounding mass shootings. Um, particularly, let's let's talk about just getting into specifics um, with the coverage surrounding uh, the controversy of legislation regarding uh, uh, an assault weapons ban or a ban yeah. on the AR-15 or and the various accoutrements, the you know the bump stock and the um, etc. And the problem with that is that, in reality, you know, sh surely I think that's a good idea, um, but that is a fraction of a percent of, the, of gun deaths in America. You know, in reality, 70% uh, of gun deaths are handguns, mm -hmm. uh, and then the next big chunk is from shotguns, and rifles are, are you know, are not, are, are not substantial. Um, and so my problem is when these, these, some of these kids are going on these panels on TV, and they say, well, and you know, this is almost a direct quote, they go, you don't care about dead kids if you don't support you know, a ban on the AR-15. Um, or if you don't support raising it from 18 to the age from 18 to 21. And the problem I have with that line of logic is that someone can turn around and say, okay, well, you don't care about the 80 times more children that die at the hand of a handgun. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't like the vilification of the other side. I don't, I, I don't think in terms of, I, I don't think it's, an, it's honestly sitting down and say this is the entirety of the gun problem in America. Um, and and what, what is a solution that will work? And I, and I don't think that we have an answer to that yet. And so, and given that I, I think that there needs to be, um, you know, there are some proposals for the CDC to, to commit some of their budget towards studying this issue. And I think that would be a great step um, and I think, I, I, you know, that's not to say that we shouldn't take these preliminary steps, but to say that you are an immoral person who doesn't care about dead kids if, you know, this isn't your first priority, I think is, um, is disingenuous. Yeah. My song So, okay, I, I definitely see that point. I, I think you're right. You've talked about the vilification of the other side, and, and you know, I think that's true. I don't think that you've cited some statistics. If those are true, then... Yeah, like I, I agree with you a little bit. However, um, Clinton, I believe, enacted a rifle, assault rifle. Um, yeah, it was ban 1994 in 1994. Thank you. I was going to say those numbers. Thanks. Uh, I'm man's it's fine. Yes, indeed. Um, and and uh, gun violence, or I think deaths by gun went down by like 42 percent. Um, so, and I, I would say that's not an insignificant number. I, I think that's, you know, something that that would help. And more than that, I think that. You know, you said you you just said like you don't really have a plan that you think would work for for stopping gun deaths, which obviously is a huge issue in our country. So I think maybe banning assault rifles and and bump stocks and raising the 
age and, you know, making sure that you have a, a gun license before you can buy a gun. Like, things like that are, are the first steps that you have to take. I agree. I don't think you can say you're a bad person. If, if you hate children if you don't support those things. But I do think that they're necessary steps that we have to take before we can get to a place where, I mean, personally, I don't think anyone should have a gun, but that's... I, I, I would challenge that 40% figure. Uh, the seventy percent, sure, please. The seventy percent is um, an FBI statistic. The past five years, in terms of the breakdown, uh, year to year, uh, 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 weapon to weapon, um, as of homicides. Um, uh, I, I, all, I, okay, sure, Natalie. Okay, well, I actually agree with you, and I think that is one of the uh, issues that, uh, as a student organizer. I have run into a lot when talking to national leaders is that uh, this issue it should not just be about school shootings and that it's crazy that school shootings are getting this much attention where when every day students are shot uh, in their neighborhoods. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So, yes. what, so what? So th- what this statistic is just to we're looking at an article in the Washington right, Post. So this says that a, gu- a gun massacres, uh, quote unquote, uh, fell by thirty-seven percent. A massacre being a single incident in which six or more deaths occur. Yes. Uh, so that. So sh- okay. Sh- surely that is not insignificant. but that is not a forty percent decline in all gun homicides. Right. That is true. Um, but it's a, a decrease from one hundred fifty-five to eighty-nine. It's, which it's is also worth. I think. Sure. It's also worth noting that I, I think there are certain technological improvements. Um, for you know, preface this, uh, I, th- I believe it's around sixty-two percent of gun deaths uh, are suicides in the home, mm-hmm. uh, yes, either either yes. on purpose or accidental. Um, accidental suicide. Kids, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, again, I I applaud the I, I applaud people petitioning um, their representatives. What that accomplishes. As far as solving the entirety of the issue, I think uh, has like has yet to be seen. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I think I think it's going to be a conversation where people sit down and say like what needs to be done. I don't think it's this a solution to this issue is going to come about by kids going on TV and you know, you know what I mean? yeah yeah and so just, yeah virtue signaling. I have a, I have so I have a question and I want to I want to throw it to Natalie first. Um, Two things. First of all, uh, can you think of, and I suppose this is more to group, can you think of alternate <coughs> methods to, to sort of go about this? What is an ideal reaction to Parkland look like if you're if you're striving for change? And and the second would be, does is there value in having this in the zeitgeist? So you know, does it you know does having people going around talking about gun violence, even if the policy proposals they're putting forward are sort of unrealistic? Does that hold a value to, to, you know, people affected by gun violence as a whole? Well, I think it's undeniable that the action taken by students nationally has sparked conversation with legislators. Um, but I, I think that I agree with Charlie in that it's very few students actually know what specifically they want to change. And I think it's very difficult to come up with a specific solution because there are 330 million guns Mm -hmm. in America. And there's no law that you can pass to get rid of that. Um, And I think that what needs to be addressed before the AR-15s are 
are the handguns because the number of children killed three miles south mm-hmm. every month. Three miles south of where we are right of now. where we yes. are right now, which is Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. um, is so much more than 17 kids that were killed in Parkland. So that's what needs to be addressed first, and the solutions for that I don't exactly have right now. Uh, I think that I think that the investigations, we need to put forth investigations that look into uh, the funneling of these weapons, and we need to invest more in education because keeping the kids off the streets is what's going to ultimately keep them from getting involved in gu- gangs and shooting each other. Could you talk a little bit that more about that? Because I feel like that's that's something that hasn't really been touched on in this. You know, we talk a lot about gun control, and that specifically being... Get the guns out of people's hands. Make sure people who shouldn't have guns don't have guns. I, Jill talked about that. Uh, uh, pretty much all of those, as far as the west side and the south side of Chicago, uh-huh. um, all, all of those firearms are, it's illegal for people to own them. Legal. Own them. Ill- illegal. Oh, illegal. Uh, either because of age mm-hmm. or type. And typically they buy them in, Indian- in Indiana and then traffic them uh, into Chicago. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, just a blanket ban is not necessarily the most effective method, as Natalie pointed out, there are already 300 million guns, so people point to Australia and say, oh, well, gun buyback is just the obvious solution. That's culturally, um, numerically, that's not uh, probably realistic. Um, and when it comes to a handgun, and that, that's kind of, you know, you get from these, you, you get these high-velocity, high-magazine um, guns all the way down to a handgun, then that you're, what you're really talking about is a blanket ban on all firearms. And at that point, um, then the discussion of, um, I think the, the, the discussion of self-defense has to come into play, um, that whether you like it or not, the only thing um, that equalizes a physical advantage in an interaction is a mechanical one. Um, and, you know, there's something to be said about that 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 being a right. So I, I think that needs to enter the conversation. Go. I think the idea that, um, you know, there's sort of a cultural difference in America that's, that sort of separates us from the rest of the world and, and what they've been able to, to achieve in terms of gun control, I think that's a very interesting point because, you know, today during the rally, someone was talking about Australia and how um, they had you'll managed never guess to. Who. Yeah, you'll never <laughs> guess. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, he was talking about how, you know, in Australia, they after a huge shooting, they had managed to have a buy, gun buyback program, and now they're gun free ostensibly, and gun deaths have gone down um, crazy amounts. However, I do think one of the things about a lot of the countries that, you know, have have been able to ban their guns is that they're homogenous societies. So you know, America's. I think, I mean, I think it's a good thing that we have a lot more diversity than a lot of countries. Um, but, I, it, and I'm talking mostly about racial diversity, but also socioeconomic diversity. Um, and so that, I, I just think, creates an extra hurdle because there's, like, the racial dynamics that you have to get over in terms of police having guns and civilians having guns and, you know, police brutality and things like that, um, which makes it even harder for us to, if we were to ban guns, for that to actually you know, play out. 
Interesting. Um, so, so forgive me if I when I while I steer the conversation uh, away from this. That was a fantastic exchange, uh, and that that was because I want to get at this one big question, which has sort of been resonating in the back of my mind, which is: Is Parkland different? Is is you know after Sandy Hook, uh, we we went from double doors to triple doors in the in the front of the school, and you know after Columbine there was there was a lot of talk of change. Um, that was right before the end of the assault weapons ban, actually. And uh, but this Parkland movement, a lot of people have been saying, is is different. They're not, you know, and it feels as though there's a possibility for this to stay in the news and for change to come about. So I pose this question to you: Is it different? If so, why? Anybody? I think there are f- a few things that made uh, this one different. Mm-hmm. One being, um, given that we are in the Trump era. Yeah. Uh, this is the mm-hmm. first major school shooting since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of progressives and liberals are su- souped up to um, go after the Republicans, get angry about something, and you know, uh, uh, you know, go in the street and yell about um, how their government's incompetent. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, the fact is the Democrats had control of both houses of Congress and the White House. Um, for two years, yeah. two years, and that was Not even well that. into that, that was well into uh, this era where we have school shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I also think obviously the the, the students uh, have been very effective at garnering social media attention. Um, they've been very outwardly provocative. I mean, in that CNN uh, town hall, mm-hmm. that was <laughs> it, it, there were a lot of. Um, Yes. I, yes. Yeah. yeah. Natalie, do you have a do you have a thought? Is this it, you're you're as somebody who's sort of you know in a sense helping to lead the movement? Why why is there a march for our lives after Parkland, but there wasn't a march for our lives after Sandy Hook? Um, I think part of it is that this the people who are leading the march for our lives now mm. and the movements across the country have now grown up with this. When Sandy Hook happened, I was, like, not old enough to be really competent about the situation. Sure. And then it's been a few years, a few more school shootings have happened, etc. And I think I'm now to the point where, along with other high school students around the nation, I feel like I understand the issue well enough to speak up about it. And I have, I choose that I don't want this to be how I live the rest of my life. And I've seen how I've I've seen how this has affected uh, my education and the environment around schools across the country, and I have just, I, I don't know, I think we're yeah. just done with it, and it's, uh, we've decided it's been too much. Why wasn't there, uh, why, why didn't the teenagers after Sandy Hook do something? Because even though they maybe, maybe, they ha- maybe they were a little bit older when Columbine happened, I still think that there's probably a case to be made that they had grown up with gun violence. So what I'm trying to get at is what, what makes you different from, from the teenage generation 10 years ago? I, I, I can't answer why other people didn't take action. That's, I think that's fair. Um, yeah. I, I can answer why I took action. Why? Why? Because I'm sick of the, in, of innocent people being killed when they're at school, get receiving their right to education and learning 
uh, which they need to do to become successful as they grow up. And if we want the future of this country to be bright, the students and the current students need to be. And how can we be focused and dedicated learners when we're concerned about being shot while we're in class? I also think it's, uh, as Charlie was saying, I, I definitely do think it has something to do with Trump in the White House. I think, you know, it's just very easy as a liberal right now to sort of be motivated to try and make change because you see the heads who's in the White House. Sorry, I'm not supposed to swear on the podcast. I'll have to go Whoops. back in and edit that out. Anyway, um, point being, uh, I, I just think right now is a time when in America it's, it's just very um, easy to be motivated. Fantastic. Um, so there are a few more things I'd like to touch on. Uh, the, we we did get some interaction with, so this conversation has sort of gone in the direction of talking about national politics and sort of politics as a whole as opposed to the impact it's had on the school, which is still fascinating because I think that as students, given that this has, you know, sort of come about as a largely student-driven movement for better or for worse, we are, you know, our, our, maybe our punditry is a little bit more valuable here. And I'm curious what you made of the alderwoman today, who was the only interaction with a political official we had all day. It's interesting to have her go after 17 minutes of silence. She, I, I don't want to, like, criti- I, I, yeah. I do agree with most of yeah. her political stances. I don't want to really criticize mm-hmm. those, but I think just sort of the way she came off was a little bit, like, not well-refined. I don't know, it just didn't, yeah. it, she didn't say anything that I thought was that impactful. Um, she sort of fumbled with, technology and asking us to like text our parents to text our representatives which felt a little like this is a student movement like why are you telling yeah. us to text our parents um i, I don't know it, it just it felt a little fumbled to me alder woman just just uh, for those who may not have been uh, aware or may not have been present alder woman michelle smith who represents the 43rd ward the 43rd ward which is the ward in which parker resides uh made a quick speech right after the 17 minutes of silence as an organizer of the day i can say that we were hoping to have her speak at the rally which was a little bit more political but she had to go to what was presumably an interview uh in the tribune building so it was either then or never, and we chose then. It irritated me that she was talking about how make your government hear you, like reach out to your legislators, and but like you are our aldermen. So what are you have now heard us? What are you gonna do to influence the other your colleagues mm-hmm. to support this issue as well? Because I, I just, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me that, like, you are one of the people we're trying to reach, mm-hmm. and you're just telling, and you're just mm-hmm. telling us to keep doing that. Like, right. you gotta accept what we're giving you, and do something with it yourself. Yes, you're not the president, yes, you're not a senator, you're an alderman, you still have more legislative power than we do. Charlie Mug. Well, she has, she has no legislative power. <laughs> Alderwomen, or right. alderman. Right. So, no, just, just to, I mean, she doesn't have, she, you know, she, she doesn't go to the the state um, assembly assembly so I'm, I'm, are you I mean, are you from state legislators yeah I'm, I know her pretty well she's well, not come on like she's not, <laughs> she uh, uh, I, I don't even know if I would call state legislators her colleagues quite frankly like and no I mean and the main function of her job is the street cleaning and the snow plowing and the schools I, I mean I so do you think it's almost ridiculous to to harp on her. Uh, 
Yeah. I just I, ridiculous that she was the politician who came to speak to us. Yeah, I well, I don't see that. the point. Yeah, she was she was sort of in the neighborhood and she okay, she wanted okay. to stop by. So it, actually, I found out that she was there when she got there. <laughs> I didn't I didn't really know. I didn't know much about her coming. And also, just like in a day of of, of students talking and, and you know giving some some kind mm-hmm. of powerful speeches, like it felt weird to have this like elderly woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Who's uh, wearing like a fur coat, uh, <laughs> $700 shoes? I, I think she also um, blurred the line, as we were discussing earlier, between memoria and re- respecting victims and then instantly taking a position, um, taking a, mm-hmm. adopting a policy prescription. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, and, you know, those are two different right. things. And I think. Um, Specifically for this type of situation where you have a where it's a school shooting, mm-hmm. uh, it's certainly contestable that you know w- w- while I support the banning of the AR-15, it is certainly contestable that in an ex- extraordinary circumstances such as these school shootings, which for the record, you know, numerically they are, um, they're only one a bit, week. W- one a week. If you define them, okay, yeah, see that that stat's also very deceptive. That stat is if there's like any injury based on a with a deadly weapon. I mean, the spoon's a deadly weapon on the school <laughs> oh, campus. Okay. So it, the, those where it's like, oh, there's been twenty this month. Like, no, not really. So that's. But I think it is certainly contestable that that a banning of the AR-15 um, would wholly reduce. Uh, uh, school shootings, mm-hmm. um, just because, I mean, the AR-15 is a semi-automatic weapon. There are a lot of semi-automatic handguns. Um, and certainly, the, the, sure, the velocity out of the barrel is less, um, but the rate of fire is similar. Uh, you can hold two of them in your hand. Tactically, it can be more useful. They're concealable. Um, so, I, and again, there's a lot of complexity here, and I, and I don't appre- I don't like the the moral posturing uh, that's surrounded this day, um, or a lot of the student rhetoric um, in the media. Interesting. Um, so, uh, I want to have everyone react to something that's um, going on right now that that Natalie had told me about. Uh, as we as we look to close up here, Natalie, could you could you say for the podcast what what you told me? Yes. Let me give you a specific name. So, at Kenwood High School, during their walkout, a student named uh, Amina Glenn uh, walked into the street. She was, uh, you know, shouting protesting chants uh, along with her fellow classmates. She walked into the street. Uh, There were, I just want to get my numbers right, there were 20 police cars lined up at the school prior to the march. Uh, prior to the walkout, I'm sorry. And when she went into the street, she was um, arrested by police for uh, for disrupting the flow of traffic, for reckless conduct, and she was transported to the second district. So uh, yeah, so she was arrested for her protest, and not only that, there were tons of a police at their school, which is on the south side in a predominantly black area, um, f- before the walkout. So, first of all, I think that just 
shows, you know, with amazing clarity the amount of privilege that we at this school have because our administration supported this event and like and we had six cops. We had six walking co- with us, like protecting us. Yes. Right, right. So that was, I mean, you know, I, I just, it's crazy that three miles away from here, you know, people are being arrested for doing something that we did and and had police support from, um, but. I mean, I, I yeah, I think that's crazy. Yeah, really? I, I think that's true. I, I agree. Um, but also, my understanding historically of the purpose of civil civil disobedience is often to provoke like to, be yeah. to be arrested. Mm-hmm. So we don't. I wasn't there. Your description was, I guess, was rather limiting. As, but I I see that as potentially what could have happened, and you know, not that I condone her arrest, but. Like, I mean, that's probably what happened. I feel like. Well, so. she, okay, so w- the source that I got this from, his name is Kofi Ademola, and he is an organizer for Black Lives Matter Chicago. He made it very, he helped organize a bunch of walkouts on the south side, and he made it very clear that uh, the goal of all of these walkouts was to be peaceful and not to create any disruption. Uh, and as far as I know, they were not trying to provoke being arrested. And from what I have heard from him, from all that I have heard him say in the past few weeks leading up to the march, I find it hard to believe that she was trying to be arrested. Did she walk in the, in the middle of the street, though? Yes, but she was not purposefully, like, blocking traffic. I, th- I, think I walked in the street today. I think it's it was yes. just like standing. I, th- I think it's difficult to to mince whether or not she should have been arrested because we look. I think yeah. I think on its yeah. face, uh, I think I on agree. its face, student protesting gets arrested is a is a bad moniker. But I, for better or for worse, I I don't think that this debate can be had intelligently yeah. until we have more information. That's fair. Yeah. So I think, but I think the notion student protesting gets arrested can still be discussed. Yeah. In, in a broader con, you know, what does that say about the movement? Is that a setback because something bad happened from these, yeah. what were supposed to be, you know, nonviolent, peaceful walkouts, and, you know, was there a racialized component to it? I don't think it was a The setback. only part that, okay, we don't know enough about the, about the uh, arrest, but the fact that there were 20 cop cars mm-hmm. lined up at the school in anticipation yeah. for yeah. the walkout, I don't see how you cannot say that is some has something to do with race and yeah anyway no okay so um we're going to be wrapping up right about now before we go i would like to get everybody's final thoughts on the day on the movement and what we can uh take out of this moving forward please try to keep it to say 45 seconds just Um, keep it short here we'll we'll, we'll, yeah we'll start with maya i don't know i think jury's still out on on how I feel about this day, I think, I think it's important that we did something. Um, I, I do see some people's complaints that this might have been a little bit too politicized. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Maya Sagvi. Uh, <laughs> Natalie. I really agree with Maya. I Are you talking totally about the day or the movement as a whole? I'm talking about the day. Okay. I totally agree that 17 minutes was great. Definitely should have done that. I I think I may still feel that we should have just had normal classes and walked out 
from 10 to 10.17, like everyone else in the country did. And if you don't mind my probing, could you talk a little bit more about why you think that is? Yeah, so I just think that the uh, the the purpose of today was to show unity and to show the uh, people in power how... Um, what this, how the students feel, and how everyone, thousands of schools across the country did the exact same thing today, today, but we didn't do that. We did something else today. And because it was so politicized, there were many students who just didn't come to school today. And so, many students who just did not come to school today because they felt it was too political. Yeah, I respect their opinion, but it could have been much more effective, I think, if it was just the 17 minutes. Charlie Moog. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was kind of a, a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think when people say uh, it was too, I think people say it was too political. Uh, I think what they, I think well, I guess when I when I if I were to say it's too political, I guess what what I mean is it's too sensationalist. It's you know just the entire idea of. A, a an activity for the day being making a protest sign, I think is is like I said. It's let's take this highly complex issue and reduce it to six words, mm. right? And reduce our our view on it to six words, and that's not, you know. I think if we put, you know, we could have studied it in such a more academic manner um, that would recognize uh, the ways to go. There is the ways that there that we have to go on solving it. On solving the issue, um, and recognizing the virtues of both perspectives, um, and the, I guess the political activism piece, which is what they're referring to, yeah, sh- should have been reduced, and, and we could have just learned more um, about like the policy prescriptions and like the progress being made. I agree with that. Okay, um, thank you everybody for coming by, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Amaya, thanks. You're welcome. Charlie Moog, thank yes. you. Yeah. Okay, um, be sure to tune in to the next Weekly Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Kagan. Thanks for listening.